local literary treasure and uh, admittedly very strange human being, Tim Robbins. When asked to explain his gift for storytelling, replied, I'm descended from a long line of preachers and policemen. Now, it's common knowledge that cops are congenital liars, and evangelists spend their time, uh, spend their lives telling fantastic tales in such a way as to convince otherwise rational people that they're factual. So I guess I come by my narrative inclinations naturally, he said. Let me be very clear from the outset then, as your preacher on this Easter Sunday morning, it is not my intention this morning to tell you a fantastic tale in such a way as to convince you otherwise rational people that it's factual. While facts certainly have their place in this world, I love a good fact now and then. I confess to you that I'm rather uninterested in what is factual about our Easter story. Frankly, whether Jesus in actuality was bodily resurrected from the dead is fairly uninteresting to me. Now this might surprise you to hear this coming from your pastor. It might even shock you a little bit. If it shocks you and you want to say a prayer for my soul, I welcome all prayers. What I find most fascinating about this story is that whatever did or did not happen at the sunstreaked dawning of that day 2,000 plus years ago, it was not the final chapter of the Jesus story. That's what's fascinating. First the women, and then eventually many others went on to not just proclaim life from the tomb, but to live it and embody it in community with one another. So skipping factual altogether, what is true about this story? Now that's a different question, and that is a question that very much interests me. So let's start here. In a 2018 Christian Century article written by uh, John Dominic Crossan and Sarah Sexton Crossan, it was called Rising Up with Christ. They shared about their family's trip to Turkey, visiting Byzantine cathedrals that were carved into volcanic rocks in Cappadocia. And while exploring, they noticed 15 frescoes from the life of Christ, and each one had a plaque that was in English describing what was happening in the scene. And much to their surprise, When they reached the fresco that depicted the resurrection appearance of Jesus, in the English text, instead of using the English word resurrection, the plaque used the Greek word anastasis. Anastasis. Right there in the middle of the English description of what was happening. Anastasis literally in Greek means uprising. How fascinating to reconsider our inherited assumptions about the story and to instead consider how it might be an uprising, resurrection as an uprising. Now, I associate this framing, this understanding of resurrection as uprising, with Jonathan because he uses this language. And I asked him this week, Jonathan, where did you first encounter that idea? He credited Weldon in his life. I bet if we asked Weldon, who is currently in Iraqi Kurdistan with Christian Peacemaker teams, he'd probably point to someone else 
who he credits with introducing him to this framing. And that genealogy spreads out wider and broader and deeper than we can even imagine, which is just how uprisings work. What is true in our Easter story is uprising. What is true is that 2,000 years later, we are remarkably still following a prophet, the promised one, who was killed by the empire, executed, capital punishment at the hands of the empire. And whatever you believe or don't about the bodily resurrection, what's true, what is true is that Jesus' death at the hands of the political authorities who were threatened by his liberation movement, that death was not the final word. Thanks be to God. Ah, The empire tried its best to squash the Jesus way of liberating love by killing him. And the empire failed. Miserably, we can say, 2,000 years later. Because life rose up. Because people empowered by the Spirit of God, the living Spirit of God, rose up. They rose up to proclaim and to live liberation together in communities that walked the way of Jesus together, that continued to share bread with one another and with all who had need, that continued to challenge political and religious powers that brought good news to the poor, proclaimed release to the captives, and freed those oppressed by the world's powers. The buried mustard seed of the Jesus movement, the Jesus way, the Jesus revolution, grew into a large tree that became shade for the heat struck and home for the winged ones. Thanks be to God. Amen. That is what is true about our story. Christ is risen. And I'm going to add a second verse to our Easter proclamation, our familiar one this morning, and it's this. Together in the uprising. And then you say, together in the uprising indeed. Together in the uprising. Together in the uprising indeed. Woo! <laughs> and maybe by the third time we do it, it'll sound like we really mean it. <laughs> what is true in our Easter story is that women initiated and led this liberation movement from the tomb. And not just any women, but women of color from an oppressed and marginalized people. Lest we forget that the long history of women of color leading liberation movements out of tombs extends back as far as the eye can see. Woven silently and almost imperceptibly through our history and through our Bible. Women of color, part of a colonized and oppressed people, are the stars of our story today. Mary Magdala and the other Mary. These are the name, names of our prophet sisters. Come and see. They heard the invitation. And they came and they saw. Go and tell. They heard the commissioning. And so they went and they told. And those women led a nonviolent uprising of liberation, a powerful insurrection of love. And we are sitting here today because of them. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've never gotten a clap before in a sermon. Nice. I, I didn't. The women got it. <laughs> so let's hear this morning resurrection good news 
proclaimed by a few dispatches from the uprising. That's what I'm calling our sermon this morning, dispatches from the uprising. Because women of color, part of colonized and oppressed peoples, are still the stars of the show, leading liberation movements out of tombs from time immemorial. And when I discovered this this past week to be the core invitation that I sensed out of our gospel reading this morning, I cannot tell you the amount of joy that this labor engendered in me. Dispatches from the uprising necessarily takes us to tombs. So that's not to say that all the news here is good news, because, you know, tombs. But what joy to bear witness to the uprisings of life and the insurrections of love that are emerging from those tombs. What joy to amplify and tell these undertold stories. Christ is risen. risen Together in the uprising. uprising. (laughs) It's a mouthful, I know. (laughs) But you're doing a great job. When the high priestess of soul, Nina Simone, in 1963, heard about the tragic death of four young girls who had been bombed in the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, by white supremacists. It was a significant catalyst in her more fully embracing her role, not just as artist, but also as activist. She turned her music, she turned to her music as a means of more fully embracing that role of activist and expressing the country's agony and grief. Four women and Simone's other evocative anthems sang a truth that the world needed to hear, and she became much more self-consciously an activist artist, finding her home and her calling in the movement for black liberation. Uh, Some of you may know that Seattle Rep is currently staging a production of Nina Simone for Women. I get to see it in another week or two, so I wish I had already seen it to be able to tell you about it. But I'm very excited about it. It's a show that incorporates storytelling and debate and music. With white supremacists still burning black churches today, we need this prophet sister's truth sung as much today as we did in the 1960s. And thankfully, contemporary activist artists, fellow women of color and prophet sisters, playwright Christina Han and director Valerie Curtis Newton, they are ensuring that we know and see that Nina Simone's story isn't static. It isn't mere history that's stuck in the past, but instead that this uprising is still alive and it is on the move. From the tomb of white supremacy arises the life of liberative song. Christ is risen. Together in the uprising. In an article titled Black Women's Wisdom, Yale Divinity School prof Ebony Marshall Terman paints a stunning landscape of the uh, contemporary uh, picture of black womanist theology. And there was so much good news in her portrait of an uprising that it just felt really impossible to distill it. But distill it I must. And so if I must, into a word, I'm going to distill it into this word, flourishing. So she shares, the Reverend Dr. Terman, that womanist theologies and ethics have moved toward emphasizing black women's 
flourishing. Their survival and thriving. And this flourishing, according to the Reverend Dr. Terman, includes black women's celebration, black women's joy, black women's self-care, and squad care, and black girl magic, all of which are proactive mechanisms of resistance in a world that continues to despise black women. She highlights how significant the shift is in focus in womanist theology from suffering to flourishing because it means that there is a future for black women beyond the strongholds of racism, sexism, economic, social, and environmental justice. A future that is proclaimed and exegeted in our biblical text, nourished and practiced by a holy cloud of genius black women, preachers, scholars, thinkers, leaders, that she names by name. And I mean, you should just, the article is just full of these genius women who are leading this movement in the church and beyond. And she included and named my friend, Melanie L. Harris, who wrote a book called Eco-Womanism. So if I'm a preacher with a mic, I'm going to shout out my sister. She's one of my Spirit Lake sisters with whom I get together every summer in Colorado. And her eco-womanist vision is also good news for our ailing creation. And in this Earth Day time, oh, that is good news to know that we have black women at the forefront helping us know how we're going to save God's creation. Accompanied and compelled by the Spirit of God, Terman writes, black women will make a way out of no way, a way of moral wisdom, truth-telling, willful virtue, furious dancing, I love that one, and deep faith, indeed. From the tomb of systematic suppression arises the life of womanist flourishing. Christ is risen. Together in the uprising. (laughs) To bring it even closer to home, I had the great privilege of spending a day a week ago or a week and a half ago with Nikita Oliver, who was an honored guest for the all-day workshop that I was taking part in, Storytelling Strategies for Dismantling Racism. And two days after the workshop, she posted on Facebook that someone had busted a window in their office and stolen the computer. So it's Creative Justice is the name of the organization that she works for. And this is a community-based organization that works at um, community-based alternatives to incarceration for children. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God somebody out there is doing that work, right? Somebody busted in the window, stole the computer. As an organization, we are abolitionists, she wrote. While Historic Seattle, owners of Washington Hall, will likely work with Seattle Police Department on this matter, we will not, because it is in direct conflict with our values and our principles. I believe in our community. I'm reaching out to all of you. Can you please help us restore our classroom and possibly grow the resources that we have available to youth in this space? To create art and music, to check email and Facebook, to file applications, to do research, to make resumes, Etc. And Nikita Oliver points to rapidly increasing gap in wealth between the rich and the poor in our beloved Seattle, calling out a desperate need for basic resources to attend to the poorest in our communities. Have you ever heard more of a Jesus message, friends? Housing, education, affordable free transportation, health care, employment opportunities. She calls out our city government for continuing to back big business 
over poor people. If we would stop criminalizing poverty and respond compassionately to the need, she writes, if we would divest from the prison industrial complex and invest in community, if we would be solution-oriented based on the needs and leadership of the most impacted rather than preserving the status quo, things like this theft would happen less, she says. And to whomever she did this, she powerfully concludes, come talk to us. We want to support you. Now that's an uprising. That's some nonviolent restorative justice to put us Mennonites who think we might have the corner on that market to shame. Whoever stole our computer, come talk to us. We want to support you. We're not going to call the cops. What an incredible witness to another way. From the tombs of racialized poverty arises the life of restorative justice. Christ is risen. Together in the uprising. And finally, two last quick dispatches from the uprising. Rakia Jones is a doula with Open Arms Perinatal Services right here in Seattle. And I got to know this organization. Jeanette and I actually sat next to one another at an event because we were invited by our own Rebecca Allen. Powerful organization right here in Seattle supplying doulas to any and everyone who needs them, particularly women of color. Rakia Jones testified in our local news this week about Black Maternal Health Week, bringing awareness to the health disparities that that mothers of color face during pregnancy and when getting care for their families. She testified to the higher fatality rate for birthing black and native women, still 2019 and insufficient support for marginalized communities, which she pointed to specifically undocumented folks, queer and trans folks, etc. And through her work as a doula with open arms, she shares her time, her expertise, and herself in supporting parents and children to meet the challenges of life with courage and with resiliency. Rakia Jones, from the tomb of intersectional marginalization arises the life of reclaiming agency and well-being. And Regina Shands Stoltzfus, Mennonite professor of Bible, conflict transformation, violence and healing, co-founder of the uh, Damascus Road Project, which is the anti-racism training in Mennonite church. She continues as a core trainer with its current incarnation, which is now called Roots of Justice. She invites her students at Goshen College into storytelling and analysis of race, ethnicity, gender, class, sexuality, and she invites our Mennonite church into truth-telling about power and privilege. And personally, I'm so grateful for her voice in my life and grateful for her voice within our broader church. From the tomb of distortions and denials of power, arises the life of prophetic truth-telling. Christ is risen. Together in the uprising. I called this dispatches from the uprising intentionally because 
It is not comprehensive, obviously. It's embarrassingly small snapshot. In fact, I'm looking back at the family of our own Sarah Augustine, who could be on this list, dispatches from the uprising. We could go on all day. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we just did this for the rest of the day, if we shared stories, swapped stories? We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. A great cloud of resurrection proclaimers. A great cloud of prophet sisters proclaiming and leading nonviolent uprisings of liberation and powerful insurrections of love. Thanks be to God. One of the amazing miracles of our Easter story this morning, I think, is the fact, and here's an indisputable fact, that Mary of Magdala and the other Mary survived as first witnesses, as leaders in the movement of liberation and life from Jesus' tomb. It is a miracle for the ages that these powerful women of color liberators are remembered and remembered by name. What? That's a miracle, y'all. The empire tried to squash the Jesus way of liberating love by killing him. And the empire failed miserably. <laughs> Makes you want to look at the cross and just... <laughs> they failed miserably to squash that movement of liberation and love. Here we are. Because life rose up. Because people empowered by the Spirit of God rose up to proclaim life and liberation together in communities that walked the way of Jesus together, communities that shared bread, that continued to challenge political and religious powers, that brought good news to the poor, proclaimed release to the captives, and freed those oppressed by the world's powers. The buried mustard seed of the Jesus movement, the Jesus way, the Jesus revolution grew into a huge tree to provide shade for the heat struck and home for the winged ones. The Jesus way is not to be found at the tomb, friends. The Jesus way is in the uprising leading from the tomb into life. Christ is risen. Together in the uprising. uprising Amen. The news today is very good. Let us sing.